Welcome to Eating It Up. I'm your host, Michael Eaton. Join me on this journey of, well, anything. Tag along to hear about the crazy things happening in my life, some funny stories, and probably some terrible jokes to get you through your week. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It is Eating It Up. I'm your host, Michael, and it's uh, been a little while since I've been on, and uh, there's a lot of things going on in life, and um, have a first today on today's episode. Before I get into that, I wanted to give a shout out of another podcast. I was able to be a guest host for the first time on the Journey Begins podcast that's hosted by Trey Rowell, and uh, we were able to interview one of the hosts from the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. I think I've mentioned them a couple of times on some past episodes, but was able to uh, interview Nathan Cravat, uh, get more of his story than he's told on, on their podcast, and the topic of that episode was um, things you need to change in your life if you want to continue to spiritually flourish, and it was a really good episode. Um, so if you guys um, have the chance to look up the Journey Begins podcast, uh, anywhere podcasts can be found, it's out there. So look that up. It's really good. Uh, Trey has several other episodes that are pretty good and some different people he's interviewed uh, through some different things. So the first I have is a, a guest on my podcast for the first time. He's uh, not in the studio with me, but way up in Boston. If I said that correctly, it is my brother, Matt. Uh, so uh, introduce yourself and uh, kind of have some few questions to go over today with you. Yeah, uh, I am Michael's older brother, uh, although sometimes people, um, they, they've gotten that wrong. Sometimes they think you're the older brother. I don't know why, and, uh, how, but that, uh, yeah, I mean, the maturity you have, level? you have thicker that, hair than I do. It, that's possible. But then that's that would possible. think that you're the older one with the thinner hair, but I don't know. That's true. It should be that way. I don't know. You, uh, you got, you got more pop-ups hair than I did. I did. You yeah. I think thick, about that because I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting to grow my hair out. So I wonder mm. if I'll look even more like pop-pop. There you go. There you I go. Know. That plus the mustache, you'll, uh, you'll have it down. Yeah. And it's funny because um, Saturday I uh, was on that podcast and Nathan Cravat mm-hmm. like was like, that mustache is awesome. And uh, he was talking about that. He's actually, I don't know, I think I told you this. He's actually at Chad Gamble's church in Anderson, South Carolina. Oh, He's their associate youth pastor. And um, he said they were having a uh, skating party, and it was 80s theme. Mm. And he has a beard, and he's like, Mm. I think, he's I was thinking about shaving my beard to a mustache for an 80s Mm. look. And he said, after I saw you, like, I'm going to do that. So if you go to his Facebook page, (laughs) his newest profile picture is him with a mustache. I was like, you actually did it. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. I, uh, I just recently, so my beard is growing back out because we, our church did our trunk or treat. Oh man. Um, Saturday night. So about a week ago and, uh, my daughter's three and she, she wanted to dress up as Rapunzel from the movie Tangled Ah. and she already had the costume, uh, from Christmas. And so we, uh, I said, okay, well easy enough. I'll be Flynn Rider and I'll just piece together the outfit. And, uh, the the final piece was the facial hair because normally I have you know a, a pretty thick thick beard even though it's not long I keep it right um, about the same length um, a couple years ago I grew it out but anyway I shaved it down to uh, you know Flynn Rider esque mm-hmm. uh, goatee but it doesn't come up around the lips at all it's all under the chin oh. it kind of comes back a little bit on the jawline yeah and 
Yeah. And people were like, before I had the costume on, they're like, what did you do? I'm like, did you do that? Don't worry. When I put the costume in, it, it'll make sense. And it did. And everybody was, Oh my word, you look just like him. Yeah. And, um, except for the longer hair, I didn't have the longer hair. So. Right. And you have chin but, hair. Uh, she, I don't have chin hair. I do. That's, you know, you when don't I grow have my chin beard, hair. I have that like, yeah, I, I call it a chin crack. I don't know what you want to call it, but there's just no hair there. I don't know. I thought maybe it's at some point in life it would grow, but yeah, never did. That's funny. But yeah, mine's finally growing back. So, um, I, I trimmed the rest of that off. Are you going to grow like a and I, beard? I, gotta, I don't know. Um, it's more, it's more maintenance than just keeping, you know, keeping the oh, beard yeah. it's at a one lot. length and, yeah. and the trimmers I have now that my wife got me for my birthday. Um, Oh, I don't even remember the, it's a Phillips, mm-hmm. uh, the 7,000 series. Oh my goodness. I haven't even charged it since mm. March and I wow. use it at least once a week Okay, and I fully use it. Like I use the nose hair and the ear hair trimmer. I use the, the, um, the shaver part to do under my lip because that for some reason, ever since I bit through my lip, that hair curls up and it drives me nuts. So I just I trim that, that when you and I don't have to shave lip. it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to shave that. So because it's a sensitive area just under my bottom lip. So I use that. And so then I just use, you know, that, there, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I can feel it on the inside and you can kind of see it on the outside. I remember that. But, uh, yeah. So I, I love that trimmer. That's a, an amazing trimmer. And, um, does dad normally yeah, it's a good, grows a beard, but ever winter, since he's know, been well. like the soloist of temple, <laughs> you may not do that. He's the uh, he's the Tennessee Ernie Ford, yeah. Of Temple Baptist Church. I saw Church, Greg Gray right? was there recently. He actually has a goatee. You know what's wow. crazy is I met a guy that went to high school with Greg Gray Whoa. a couple weeks ago. Man, I was I was in Virginia at Thomas Road Baptist Church at a oh, yeah. conference they were doing, and I went to this worship leaders luncheon with their worship leaders. There were probably about twenty of us, and. Uh, got to talking to the guys around me. A bunch of them were, were, were students at Liberty in their worship program. Several of them were my age and had kids and had a previous career and then felt God calling them into ministry and they were musical. So they were getting their degree. Hmm. And one of them was a lead pastor from a small town in North Carolina, I think. Oh, no, okay. some, I'm sorry, in, in Virginia. Um, and he's like, yeah, I just figured I'd come to this. And, and we got to talking and I told him that I went to Crown College and he said, oh, I know some people from there. I said, well, let me know. I mean, maybe I know who they are. He's like, ah, I don't know, Greg Gray. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he went yeah. to high school and played basketball with Greg Gray. It's so crazy. I cannot like, see Greg Gray playing me. basketball. Oh, I can see Greg Gray playing basketball. That guy's intense. That's true. So I remember when we went anyway, on tour, yeah. he – uh because we, you know, we were off campus, so I would go to the lodge because that's where the rest of the yeah. guys stayed. And there was times yeah. where Gregory would come up there, and it was like three o'clock in the morning. Just oh my word! Practicing songs, and I remember a couple of the guys didn't really know how to iron, so I remember him like <laughs> teaching them how to iron. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. But yes, not everybody didn't have our mother to teach us that iron no. skill. Well, I remember. I don't know if it's because I just like to iron, but I remember them. If this this is what I remember, it may not be true. I may have been lying to people for years, but I remember getting paid like a quarter each piece of clothing that I ironed. I don't yeah. know if that was true yep. or not, but I I know I did because I like doing it. And so yeah. mom said, "Okay, you can do all the ironing, and I'll give you." I think it started out at a quarter, and I got 
I got pretty good at it. And I think dad made her drop it to a dime or something. <laughs> well, I'm the only one that irons in, in my family because Christina is just said on, let's just put it back in the dryer. I'm like, yeah, but then it gets mm. hot. And yeah, that's, I feel yeah, like when it's I moved more up to Massachusetts, they didn't have an iron. Yeah. They didn't have an iron. And I'm like, how am I supposed to iron my, uh, and I don't know why I didn't have mine, the one from college. And, and I was, just amazed that they didn't have an iron. Well, we have a steamer. I'm like, right. She okay. has a steamer. She is gung ho about that steamer. Like, but then you got to, but that's, uh, but that's for, but that's for doing big things. Right. That's not for, you know, it doesn't really get the wrinkles out the way that you need them to get out. No. And so I, I guess I got a hold of the one that I think I had mom send it to me or something. The one that I had in college from like sophomore year, I still have it and it's still the best iron I've ever used. Yeah. We got a new one for our wedding. And it doesn't hold a candle to this one. And it's not even an expensive one. Right. Um, it's all discolored and, you know, probably about to set fire to the house next time I plug it in. But Well, then you think about the old irons. All they did were just big pieces of metal that they just sew yeah. the fire and then yeah. use it. But Well, I have I have probably 25% of the dress shirts that I used to have. Oh, yeah. And I don't so, wear, um, I don't really wear dress shirts anymore. Yeah. It's I still more, have a few. And, um, I, mean, I mean, they I have need, they need ironing. Yeah. If you get it out of the dryer right away, yep. you know, when it's still hot and you hang it up, you don't have to. And even that, you know, you just so, kind of let it, you let it get a little dry, you know, and then just yeah. hang it to dry. But I you still have all my dress dad, shirts, but I don't. You remember when dad, when, when you and I were in college and the three of us were roommates? Oh, yeah. Um, our he, maid. Would, he would take our shirts to get starched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all no, those... He wasn't a maid. He was the, he was the smother. Yeah, the smother TV dinners. The smother, yeah. Remember when he uh, Not even cut TV his... dinners? They were better than TV dinners. Oh yeah, they were like Marie calendars. Man put in the oven. Oh yeah. When he cut he... his thumb open with a plastic knife. I remember that. I oh, was telling Lord. somebody the other day. I think it was Christina because Colin, which is her youngest son, mm-hmm. they have. Mm-hmm. Well, both of them have those VR Oculus headsets. And uh, a couple of months ago, he discovered you could play poker on there. So he's all crazy about <laughs> poker. I remember when you, me, and yeah. Eric Keith played poker, and Dad knew yep. about it, and he like jokingly flipped out, and Eric was just like, "Yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah, like am he, I in he, trouble?" He wanted it. He wanted us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. He didn't care. We were playing for like candy, like hard candy or something. It yeah, was it was so something. Dumb. I well, I think we had chips though. I don't know. I don't remember. We had chips, but we would like swap it out for, oh, for yeah. candy. Yeah. At the, yeah. So it was actually an incentive to want to win or whatever. It was, yeah. that was funny. That was a good times. It was. It a was little a tiny time. house. Yeah. I just remember sleeping on the floor on that like <laughs> three inch thick mattress. Yeah. Cause that was the mattress that night. we always had in the suburban, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really, I mean, you could roll it up. I rolled it up and I would tie it and stick it in the closet. Yeah. And it was, it was as narrow as like a Ikea toddler's bed. So I would just sleep on my side in that little hallway. And yeah. I would, I mean, I was getting home at midnight, 1230, one o'clock from that um, warehouse job mm-hmm. and I would sleep and then I'd wake up at like five and I would do my homework in the morning yeah. in the kitchen. Well, cause even before so that, last one we, bed first one with, we were doing the tree job working at right. Uh, right. Nate's. Until he, yeah. Yep. Man. Mm. So I said yeah, you're in we, Boston. We were in shape. Oh yeah, I'm in Boston, but not Boston. really. It's like saying I'm in Fort Worth, but I'm an hour away. So tell yeah. us where it's, you're at and um, kind of okay. how you got there. So we live in Worcester, which is the second largest city in and New England. And that's spelled W-U-S-T-E-R, right? 
spelled how no, it sounds. It's spelled W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. Worcester. I don't understand that. Like the sauce. Worcestershire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Worcestershire. Yeah. Uh, Worcester. So it's um, second largest city in New England. First one being Boston. Third one being Providence, Rhode Island. And you wouldn't think Worcester would be the second largest, but it's just spread out. And there's so many colleges. Oh yeah. I think there's, I think my wife and I counted like nine college campuses within eight to 10 minutes of driving time from our house. Wow. It's crazy. So many colleges. Um, so we live in Worcester and then up straight North, uh, on route 190 are a couple of small towns that are considered Metro West Boston. A lot of people that work in Boston live in those towns. Um, Lemonster, Fitchburg, and Lunenburg. And the church is actually in the northernmost of those three, Lunenburg, which okay. is just, I don't know, 15 minutes south of the New Hampshire border. Yeah. So which I didn't realize they were that at close. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and up here, driving a, a considerable distance isn't that big a deal. Um, you know, we're, we're in Tennessee and say, you know, oh, so how far is such and such a place we're going to go? Oh, it's really far. Mm-hmm. It's like 40 minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's yeah. not far. That's how it is here because I remember when mom came down mm-hmm. back a few years ago yeah. to see me, mm-hmm. you know, she wanted to go see Magnolia, which is the, yeah. a couple, yeah. whatever their names are. And uh, she's like, well, how far, how far away is it? I said, it's about three hours. It's like, oh, that's, that's too far. I'm like, mom, it takes me an hour just to get to somewhere to like go bowling or yeah, anything. So yeah. three it, hours, it's, it's just, it's fun. all. And it's all highway going, you know, we can go mm-hmm. 80 miles an hour sometimes on the express lane. So right. It's like, Cause that's there, no problem. you can see, you can see three States over, you know, and that's um, the speed limit, there. 75, Here. 80 miles an hour. So you really can yeah. go 90, but not with, well, now that they fix the, the highways up here, it's uh it's not as bad. So, yeah. So how'd you get there? But yeah, our really commute, our commute is like, yeah, our commute is like 35 minutes, 40 yeah. minutes right now. So we are praying about moving further North. So, Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll happen soon. Yeah. Lord willing. So how did you get to that area? Oh man. So um, when I was in college at Tennessee, um, I was an education major, um, going to be a math teacher like dad, you know, and uh, I had this idea in my head that four years of college in those four years, you meet the right girl. She's also an education major, you know, probably elementary. Right. And we would, you know, get engaged and right after graduation, we'd get married and, um, and both get a job, you know, at a school somewhere who knew where, and then go teach and have a family. And that would be it. That was like the end of my plan. Right. And it did not happen that way. Um, took me six years (laughs) to do four. Uh, I think it took me 13 semesters actually fully. Okay. Um, because I, I do remember there being an extra semester. I only sat out three, I think. So wasn't very good at saving money, um, even in the, the semesters I took off and, and working. But, you know, God still allowed it to work out that I was debt-free by the time I got done. But anyway, I traveled one summer uh, in one of the singing groups. And, and the year before that, I had really gotten a burden for New England. I don't know, God was just kind of telling me this is, this is the direction I want you to go. And, um, that was the, the semester that Pastor Sexton had us praying for specific regions of either that. the United States or the world. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's where it started. Uh, I thought that was a great idea, um, to have you start really thinking about, 
about where God is, is going to send you when you're done here instead of, you know, thinking about it your last semester. And so, you know, and I was like, man, this is kind of random New England. I don't know. And, um, I mean, the furthest North we'd been was, was Pennsylvania, you know? Right. Um, and that's not even, <laughs> that's not New England. No. So, um, I don't know. And, and we traveled and, and I had kind of, you know, told God, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for a wife. I'm not doing this. I want to focus on what you want me to focus on. And, uh, like I even have it like written down somewhere about this. And it was then that I met Alyssa, who is now my wife and she was traveling for her college, which is in new England. They were just finishing up their traveling season. Okay. And, uh, we met and that's a funny story in and of itself, but, um, I thought she was married with kids. And then she thought that I was way older than I was because we were wearing, you know, those really expensive suits. Oh yeah, and and very nice shirts and ties, and my hair was slicked back. And Wait, I was, because you know, the the leader shaven. you were with, like he even made oh, you guys yeah. match dress shoes and make sure they were polished. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, he was a marine, right? Yeah. Bob yeah. Graham. So you just he was a marine, so. Yeah. So we met and, and her pastor, um, Jim Townsley, uh, I don't know if he saw something cause we barely spoke, but their group sang, and then we were just supposed to be attending just for fun. Like we weren't even like, and this was the attending for fun. We, um, we didn't match ties. So oh. it was like, you can wear whatever tie you want guys. We we're like, yes. Yeah. We had a couple of times <laughs> that Charlie, when I went, we, he let yeah. us take a suit of our choosing. And there was a couple of days yeah. where he was like, just wear your regular suits if you want to do that. Yeah. So we, but we've still wound up singing. And, um, and anyway, the pastor Townsley said, somebody go make these kids some food. They're going to be hungry afterwards. And, uh, we say fed you after instead of before. This. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, we were just planning on going, we were staying with a nearby pastor and he was like, Hey, there's a meeting. You should come. Okay. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, it was one of the rare moments where we actually stayed somewhere for several days and it was really nice. Um, they had like a, 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 a place for a family with multiple bedrooms, okay. um, in the basement of this church. And it was really nice. Um, I forget, I forget the name. Oh, Tardiglino. Tardiglino's. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, his, his son went to crown. Um, so I think he said something to list, like, I hope you come and, and eat the food. Cause she was planning on going out with her brother and with some other friends afterward. And then like she was working the next morning and then heading home, which okay. wasn't that far away, but she was like, okay, I guess I can. And I was clearly taking a liking to her. She was clearly taking a liking to me. And so I finagled it that we sat across from each other. I don't know. I had some stupid line about, I always sit to Ben's left or I don't know, something dumb. And, uh, it was clearly a line to, to get to sit across from her. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There was just a spark and we, you know, we talked for a second and then as we were leaving, we exchanged our group CDs, you know, it was kind of funny. We signed our (laughs) CDs and we exchanged, um, and we got in the van and I was just like, okay, well, you know, I told God I'm not, I'm not pursuing anything. And Bob Crichton was in the front driving and I was all the way in the back and he said, so uh, Matt, that, that blonde was pretty nice. I was like, yeah, I guess so. He said, do you, uh, do you have a way to reach out to her? 
And I said, well, well, she told me that she's on Facebook. And uh, he said, oh, okay, are you on Facebook? And I said, well, I actually deactivated my account for the summer. So I focused. I mean, Facebook was still pretty new. Oh, yeah. Um, and he said, son, if I find out in the morning that you have not tried to reach out to her, you were, I mean, he, he, I don't remember what it was, but he insinuated some form of very Marine like punishment, like <laughs> so many push ups or pull ups, or and I was like, yes, sir. And so that night I reactivated my Facebook account and I friended her. And she told me later that, that she, she and her friends were sitting around the computer. And when the friend request came in, they all freaked out. And, <laughs> um, and we, we just chatted, you know, for a couple hours. And, uh, she, we still have, she printed off the chat. We oh, still have our first conversation. Yeah, which is crazy. And I mean, it went from there. You know, I, I we started dating long distance because she was. I was finishing up college. Um, I got a I got an offer from uh, Jim Townsley, the pastor of the church there, uh, to teach in the school that they had in addition to their college. And I so totally I moved forgot up here that's to where teach. you. That's where you first went. Yeah, that was my first year teaching. Was there, and I moved up here. And she was a senior in college and I was teaching in the school and living on campus too. So we were able to spend a lot of time together. And we, we always kind of knew that when she was done, you know, um, you know, we, we would get married and then we probably wouldn't stay there. Um, you know, she, she kind of wanted to get back up this way further North in Massachusetts, closer to her family. Cause she grew up in Worcester right, uh, in this area. And so, um, we both moved up this way and both got teaching jobs at the Academy Twin City Christian school at the time, which is where she went to school as a child, which is crazy. She graduated from here. Yeah. And, um, and so we both started teaching and that was in 2011. Um, and then I think for six years, we both taught in the school. I taught high school. She taught elementary, um, a couple years into that, you know, I've always been involved in music. Our whole family has. Yeah. And um, started off with piano and trumpet um, mm-hmm. in college, switched over to cello randomly. The uh, the late, great Dr. Yingling asked me to uh, switch over to cello. He said, oh, don't worry. You can take a strings method class. I was like, oh, great. And uh, switched over to cello and excelled and took lessons from a guy at University of Tennessee and um, did pretty well. And I was playing the cello in the church up here in Massachusetts with their worship team. And, and uh, the worship leader at the time, the pastor's son said, so um, you can probably play guitar. I was like, I know a couple of chords. And he said, it's the same as cello. I said, no, it's not. And he said, well, I, I really need you to play acoustic guitar. And uh, I said, okay, I don't have one. He's like, we'll find one for you. I'm like, okay. So somebody had one that's been under their bed for 20 years some really cheap Japanese knockoff, yeah. but it held tune. And we found a, a pickup that you could put in the sound hole. And I started practicing and I couldn't even go to rehearsals because they rehearsed on Friday during the school day. Mm. I couldn't even go. Yeah. And, and he would only print off the piano music. He didn't know that he had full access to the chord charts as well. I didn't even know what a chord oh. chart was. So I was making my own chord charts. I was learning songs in the key of F and B flat for any guitarist those are hard like to learn because like an E flat chord played well on an acoustic guitar is not fun to do. And so I was learning bar chords early on and then I discovered what a capo was 
Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, progressed from there. And then he and his family moved to Florida. And um, the current pastor at the time said, hey, do you want to take over? And I said, yeah. He's like, well, you won't have to make all the decisions because I know, you know, you're a teacher. Your full-time job is teaching at the school. But you'll kind of run things. But, you know, my wife and I will still be kind of running the music program. So I was in charge but not in charge. Right. And then um, Gary Moritz, my current pastor, came from D.C. area. Uh, God called him to come up here. That's a whole other story that you can listen to on his podcast, Grouper, G-R-O-U-P-E-R, um, where he and his wife took two episodes to explain that. It's a crazy story. Hmm. Um, and felt God calling him up here to take over for Pastor Burke. And um, he did, I think two years after he got up here, Pastor Burke uh, retired and he took over and I was officially the worship leader in charge fully. And, um, did that for, oh man, what what was it? Four, four years, five years. And then just recently the big change was, um, I don't, I don't know if I should call it a promotion because nothing really changed, but making me the worship pastor, um, which the biggest thing I had to do was get licensed by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Hmm. um, as clergy, which basically means, um, I can perform funerals, I can perform weddings, and I can visit people in the hospital, no questions asked. You just show your card and you're in. Right. So um, him being the only pastor at our church, it, it kind of made sense. And, um, you know, nothing really changed in my responsibilities. But uh, there has been a shift in my in my point of view of it. Yeah. Because before, while I was just leading that department, the worship and creative department, now everybody looks to me as the pastor of the worship and creative department. Mm-hmm. Um, and our church doesn't use that term lightly. We don't just use the term pastor for whoever, like some right. churches do. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said lightly. Some churches use that term as the term of leadership for whatever. Yes. Um, and we don't, we just don't. Yeah. Um, we call it, a, we call it a director or a leader, uh, unless you're actually, you know, a pastor. Right. Um, but that doesn't have to mean ordained, you know, ordination. I'm not, I'm not ordained. Um, but, uh, it, I have noticed a shift in, in the way I lead now, um, mm-hmm. both my teams and the way I lead in church. Um, and I've noticed a shift in the way that my lead pastor now talks with me. It's, it's not like he didn't trust me before and we didn't talk as deeply as we used to, but now there's like a, a, a camaraderie. And I feel like we're working even closer than right. we used to. Yeah. Um, you know, for instance, this week, um, we've been all over the place. You know, we were on vacation. He was on vacation before that. And then right when I got back, he and I went to a conference. And then right when we got back from that, he and his wife went to a marriage retreat. So it's just been crazy. Um, and we're in the middle of a exegetical series through the book of Romans, which is not light, not easy. And it's no. very deep. Yeah. And this week was Romans 7 and 8. And um, I don't know when the last time it was you read Romans 7, but it's confusing. <laughs> I think even I think even Paul was confused when he wrote it. Yeah, because um, I saw a post the other day that said, uh, post the most confusing verse that you know in the Bible. And I think it was in Romans 7. Yeah. Isn't that where he like, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, mm-hmm. I do. And it's all that like, yeah. especially he, like he reading it in the, the KJV law. is yeah. very confusing. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I was reading it in, in the CSB when I was reading it and it was just as confusing. Right. 
Um, and I was like, wait a second, I have to read this again. And so, um, he's talking about the law and, but then he talks about the law of sin and the law of grace and the law of God and the law and the new law. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so confusing. And, you know, when you look at Paul's background, anyway, um, so we were talking about law versus grace. We're no longer under the law. It's the law that condemns us to death. It's the law that makes us aware of sin. But now the Christian, the believer has a new law of grace. Yeah. Um, and, and he listed all these things. And so, you know, I'm, I'm typically a few weeks ahead. Sometimes I'm not a few weeks ahead. Sometimes I'm months ahead with my planning of songs and things like that and the creative elements mm-hmm. of things. And so I always try to make, uh, we, we do two, two congregational songs before the message and two after. Okay. Um, and the two after are immediately after. So we come out of his gospel presentation into a sort of invitational time. Uh, we call it a moment where we try to allow people, like I, I tell them, look, I'm going to start singing. Um, if you want to sing along, you can. If you want to stand, you can. If you want to sit, you can. If you want to come forward and pray, you can. If you need prayer, you can ask somebody. Um, and lately we've made it very, very acoustic. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this week he and I kind of met and he said, hey, um, I know you already told me <laughs> the songs, but I've forgotten um, what, what's, what's the song right after? And I told him and he said, okay, I want to include those lyrics in the end of my message. Um, and so it's things like that, that we're able to really just, just click with. Right. And, um, I mean, we have, you know, we have people crying in the seats yeah, just out of conviction and out of, you know, because what he's talking about is leading directly into that next song. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was pretty powerful. I think we, we went into, um, uh, here's my heart, Lord. Um, just a very acoustic version, just two of us singing. Yeah. And it's, it's been pretty powerful to, to see. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one thing to, yeah. you don't want to make it like a theme of the day, but, you know, even at Eagle Drive, oh, yeah. we, uh, I don't pick, because we have an invitation song at the end, and we don't really pick it until mm-hmm. he's, you know, halfway through his message, kind of seeing where he goes. And then oh, yeah. I, I get the notes throughout the week, you know, to make the slides and everything. Mm-hmm. So if there's something, you know, yeah. hey, let's do this song. And um, yeah. and it's funny because we don't, well, the way, yeah. we don't invite people Go to ahead. sing with us, but I don't know, it's just because of mm-hmm. habit of the, the Baptist yeah, ways, do. but everybody just starts singing, you know, and even a mm-hmm. song that, and sometimes, yeah. you know, Amanda will do a song that we've never sung before as a church. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the cool thing about our church is it's, they everybody listens to music a lot. Mm. Um, I mean, I think there's four Christian radio stations that I can get wow. here. So there's, you know, there's options and mm-hmm. one of, you know, there's, yeah. and they're different, even genres of Christian radio that's here. But that's the cool thing is mm-hmm. that, you know, as far as introducing new songs, it doesn't take much uh, for people mm-hmm. to catch on. So, yeah, well, that's a, that's a big thing that, um, I feel like we're going all over the place, but that's something that I've thought about a lot is, is, is why we pick the songs we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even going back to picking, you know, those more classic songs that you would pull out of a hymn book. Um, right. You know, why are we picking this song? Are we picking this song because it makes it feel us feel good? Are we picking this song because it's just one of those classics we grew up singing and yet we never stop to think about the words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are we picking this song because, um, it brings us closer to God because the lyrics and you know what I mean? So, yeah. but you know, that's always the first thing is, is, you know, why am I picking this song? And I look at the lyrics 
Yeah. And then I think about the singability of it is the second most important thing to me. Yes. It's singable to my, to my congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some songs that other, that work in other churches that don't work in mine. Yeah. And it's just not singable enough. Um, we only have, I think two Christian radio stations up here and we just recently got a K love okay. in the area. And, yeah. um, you know, so this just, there's been a, I know you mentioned before the show started that you wanted to talk about, um, you know, where our churches come mm-hmm. culture wise. Yeah. But, um, it, it really makes me think about, um, how before we took certain steps, um, people weren't listening to godly music. They weren't listening to, you know, they, first of all, it was difficult to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without paying for it. Um, or they might've even known how to do that. And so there's been a process. And then uh, a few years back when we, we started utilizing a service called Subsplash. Um, that's how we do our website. That's how we do our media libraries. That's how we do our live stream. That's how we do our app, all of that. They have a place where you can create your own albums basically. Okay. And it only works in the apps. It's not like you can publish it or share it or anything. And so I'm able to put together a monthly album of the songs that we sing in church because I'm editing them for the online experience anyway. Right. And I made that available to people. And what's crazy is I, d- I didn't even, I just did it mm-hmm. so that people would be able to listen to the songs we're doing. Cause in the past I would make a playlist on Spotify or Apple music and send yeah. that out. But that's not us. That's not our church singing it. Right. So it wasn't the same. And I have, I had somebody coming who was relatively new to our new Thursday night gathering. Um, and she, she got so excited when we sang a song that she'd been recently listening to in her car. I said, Oh, you know, the song she said, yeah, I downloaded it on the app and I've been listening to it in my car. That's and I awesome. said, what app the church app? And, and I don't know these songs. So what I've been doing is I've been listening to them during the week in my car. Mm-hmm. And it was the coolest thing to see, you know, just a small thing that I did. I didn't even mean to do it for that reason, but people started listening to the songs that we sing yeah. on Sunday mm-hmm. during the week. Yeah. And it, and it shifted their personal worship culture, which then helped shift the corporate worship culture of our church. Yeah. Um, in a, in a big way. Because yeah. I mean, there, you know, you look at, and even just, you know, the way that we sing, you know, it's, I think we've both mm-hmm. been in services where the song that they're singing is amazing, but there's absolutely mm. no emotion. Yep. And I think about, you know, artists that in the secular world, you know, there's emotion in mm. it. There's, there's a passion behind it. So why can't we do that mm-hmm. in a worship yep. setting where, and that's, that's where it takes not just singing it to sing it. And I think for so mm-hmm. long, personally, that's what I did. Oh, it's time to stand up and mm-hmm. sing. Um, so even just, you know, we have a time of practice and rehearsal and, you know, just mm-hmm. there's been times mm-hmm. where even before church Sunday morning, we're just going over them and there's like, well, it's, there's already something happening, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just yeah. the way. You yeah. it. So I know you said that you, you took over, um, years ago mm-hmm. and while it was still twin city. So kind of explain mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. the, the change in the culture and how that, how that came mm-hmm. about sure. from what it, to what it is now. So when I got there, 
it was still more modern than what I was used to. Um, mostly though, because of the songs that they were choosing to use. And then there was a guy who would occasionally play the cajon, uh, the drum box. Um, but they were still trying to straddle that line of classic and modern. Um, Cause Mrs. Berkeley, if I remember, she was pretty passionate when she led yes, the choir. Yes. Which even for well, she, me, that right, was We had, we had a different. choir, right. We still had a choir. We still had special numbers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we had a grand piano on stage and she would play that and she would play exactly the way that she got the music. And, um, mm. but we also had somebody playing keys. Okay. Um, and then we had a guy on the bass, but no guitar. And then I was playing the cello and we had Nathan leading and he had, he had a great voice and he was a great leader, but he wasn't musical in the sense of any instruments. And, um, but then they would switch to a hymn from a, from a more modern, what I took to be a modern song. They would switch to a hymn and the bass player who was just a great guy. He was just an awesome guy. He'd pick up a tuba. And so, and they did each of them well. Right. Right. But it just felt very odd to be trying to do both styles mm-hmm. without meeting in the middle. It was like, a, you know, you may have the, the atmosphere in the room was going one direction and then all of a sudden now we're going to go this direction. Oh, man. Not to say either of the directions were bad. Right. But like you said before, you kind of do need to pick a mood or a, a theme yeah. Um, and some of that comes from the way you decorate the room. Some of it comes from the way that you light the room, you know, mm-hmm. um, some of it comes from the way you present your stage. It's just, it's all these things put together that create an experience that allow people to meet God in the way that, that, um, is most relevant to your community and right. to your church. Yeah. You know, we have a bunch of blue collar workers in our area. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, the church was, the church was small. Um, there were probably only around 70 or 80 people attending on average a week. And you're like, wow, that's actually kind of big compared to my church, whatever. Um, somebody may be saying that, but the room seated like 900 people. Right. It was a huge room. Yeah. And back in the day it would, there used to be an army base nearby. And then when it shut down, everybody moved away. So they were trying to straddle this line, you know, um, and it was the classic, um, the, the classic way of like the lead pastor does everything. He's in charge of everything. He makes all the decisions yeah. and it's just not healthy. No. Um, so I was in charge, but I wasn't, um, there, there was a choir and the choir was talented and they practiced more than anybody else did. They practiced like two hours every Wednesday night. Oh. Um, and we would sing to, tr- we would sing to tracks, um, and that was my first introduction to tracks. Um, that was like a big in church for us growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was different, but the people in the in the choir were devoted, and there were some really good singers. And uh, we put on some pretty amazing Christmas and Easter cantatas, um, like really amazing. And that that's what kind of got me to start um, considering myself as as somebody who would lead. Yeah. Because she would have me sing solos with the choir and stuff like that. And then when Nathan left and I was, you know, really leading, that was, you know, I was a bass. We're, we're, we eat and men are basses. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Not I anymore. think my highest note comfortably, no, my highest note comfortably was a C or a D, you know, and it's just, 
Yeah. And I had to, I had to lower the songs cause Nathan, the guy before me, he sang high. Right. And so I had to lower them and, and, you know, I'm learning guitar while I'm doing this and I'm trying to schedule these songs. But then at the same time I wasn't scheduling them because the pastor and his wife were still technically in charge. And that was, a, that was a very tense time, you know, and then Gary came and I was technically answering to him, but also still answering to them. Right. And he, he's a professional musician. Uh, he's a professional percussionist. Uh, he was in the Marine band. Um, he, he plays marimba at the professional level. Hmm. Uh, he can play jazz drums at a professional level. He, you know, he, he was, he was signed by major, uh, drum hardware companies, you know, Zildjian and things like that. Um, so he knows what he's doing. And then when God saved him, he became involved in his church's music and he built amazing music programs in DC hmm. to the point where his, his music team was being asked to, to play for big events in the area, oh, wow. uh, big, big Christian events. So he knew what he was doing. And so he gave me advice and, and we would meet weekly and, uh, he started having a, a, a weekly staff meeting and we would, um, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing and I was doing things wrong every single week. And so it was kind of like, okay, hit Matt and everybody would have notes. Oh, wow. I mean, there were like eight, nine people and it was just, I remember writing an article about it. I called it like the firing squad, but I, I welcomed it. But at the same time it hurt, you know, but it was were a you good hurt. actually doing like, things wrong or was there some of it? That oh no, I was, to... I was, okay. okay. no, 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 no. Now sometimes people would just bring an opinion. I didn't like this. And, and Gary would just look at me and kind of like shake his head, like, don't worry about it. Okay. And so, you know, cause there were still so many opinions. Um, and, and I didn't know it, um, you know, mostly after, after Gary took over and I became the, the full blown worship leader. Um, there were people coming to him with, with all of these, these books and papers and telling him why, you know, why and how they knew, um, our church was doing music wrong and how, and why we should change. Mm. And I remember, and he never, he never let them come at me, okay. which was a huge blessing. You know, he took the brunt of that and told them, you know, um, thank you for caring so much. Um, you know, I, I disagree with you. I think the Bible says this. Yeah. Um, and he would show them and he'd say, but clearly you feel strongly about this. So what I think you should do is go down the road to this church because they, they do things the way you would like them. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the best thing. Why should you stay here and be unhappy? Right. Um, but he, you know, that was the last resort for him, but he kept that away from me and he mentored me and, um, and brought me along. And he's, he's, I say it all the time. And I told him on the trip we were recently on, I said, you're the best boss I've ever had. He doesn't micromanage. He trusts me to do what is in my job description. Mm-hmm. He gives me the tools I need to succeed. And he gives me the advice when I need it. Um, both in, in my personal life and also in my professional life. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think, um, I think 10, 10 years older than me, just about, and his, okay. his daughters are teenagers. Yeah. And so he's like in that next phase. So he can speak down into me and his wife, same thing in, into Liz. Um, and, and, and his wife and I are a lot alike personality wise and he and Alyssa are a lot alike personality wise. So we all get along very well. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he's done a great job of mentoring me and bringing me to a place where, um, you know, now I'm going to conferences and teaching people what we've done. Um, and so it's, it's, it's been, it's been a long transition. Um, but I think the fact that I was making the transition at the same time that the church body was, 
mm-hmm. you know, because we were trying, we were trying to make these small changes. We call them shifts, small shifts. Um, nobody was showing up to Sunday night church, you know, like yeah. 15, 20 people. Mm-hmm. And they would be the same people that had already been there Sunday morning. Right. And I was getting migraines mm-hmm. because I would be expected to do a whole new set list of songs on Sunday yeah. night. And even thinking about, you know, and, the, the electric uh, bill, like you're going to turn oh everything goodness. on again. For and that's the other thing is, is we up. were, we were in bankruptcy. The church was in bankruptcy from yeah. all this debt. Right. And you know, there was that hanging over our heads and it was, I remember on Sunday afternoons, just getting a migraine thinking about going back to church and, yeah. um, and eventually we started to, Gary would just say, why don't you take two songs from the morning and do them acoustically, just you and one other person on stage. Just keep it chill. And I was like, okay. And that helped. And then mm-hmm. eventually we, we started doing like a class. And then eventually we just got rid of it right. and added a second Sunday morning service. And we started to see our attendance double. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we changed the aesthetics of the room as much as we could. It was an older room. And you can only and, do so much. We, right. We were praying for God to do big things. You know, the school is still open. No, the school is not open at this point. We had to make the tough decision to close the school. Yeah. Um, we owe, we owe too much money. The church was floating the school on its bills and people weren't paying. Yeah. So we, they, they made the tough decision. To, I was probably the only person relieved because I was a full-time teacher and a full-time worship leader. Mm-hmm. And it was around the time, um, they say around seven years and then 15 years, um, that teachers will either continue on or quit. Like that's, that's when it happens. And I was at my seven year. Yeah. And I remember thinking I am ready for a change and that I've always been that way. I'm ready for, you know, um, so things to change slightly. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I was ready to fully embrace the, um, the, the change in, in career and, uh, actually able to go to, you know, all the staff meetings and, uh, cause I wasn't able to make all the church staff meetings, which was frustrating. Yeah. Um, so school was closed. We were praying for big things. And I remember Gary praying, uh, my, my lead pastor, Gary, uh, praying for God to do something huge and really move. And then like a week later on a Thursday night, right after we had had a rehearsal for Sunday, um, it was January 4th mm-hmm. and it was so cold. Our uh, pipes burst in the sprinkler system of that building and ruined almost everything. Uh, the only thing that was one of the only things that wasn't ruined was, um, my sound system, which praise the Lord, oh, yeah. it was relatively new. And so we had to, in two days scramble, you know, um, the, the building was uninhabitable. We had an emergency, um, I forget what they'd be called, but like emergency company come in and, and strip everything out to get, all the wet things out because then it would just add mold and it would be really bad. Yeah. And the stuff in the sprinkler stuff, apparently if it touches anything, it's done. So we had to mm-hmm. claim it. Yep. It was crazy. There was insurance involved. And then we found out there was more wrong with the building than we knew and ripping things apart, exposed that. And it was just, Oh my goodness, it was terrible. Yeah. So we moved, you know, praise God, there was no school at the time cause we don't know what we would have done, mm-hmm. but we moved into a smaller chapel area in what used to be the elementary building, the original church building um, for seven weeks. And it was really pared down, tiny stage. Um, You know, we had just gotten into lighting and we had just gotten into videotaping properly and we just gotten this new soundboard. And so it felt like a a step backwards. Right. Um, 
but God was moving. We had other churches show up that weekend to help us move things over and make it look like church. Mm-hmm. And then we said, okay, um, we're going to do this for seven weeks. And in seven weeks, we went to be in our gymnasium. We had a third building that used to house a daycare um, and a junior high and a gymnasium. And while I was there, it, the upstairs housed the high school. That's how small the school had gotten. The whole upstairs can be the high school. Yeah. And then the downstairs had been a daycare and a gymnasium. Um, and then the daycare had closed. And we have we have one of the nicest gymnasiums yeah. in the area, I think. Um, it's, it's a nice wood floor. It's got six uh, movable uh, hoops. You can put one... Um, uh, volleyball court in, or you can put in two and it has a curtain that comes down and it's got bleachers that go back and everything. It's just, it was really nice. And everybody was really upset yeah. when our school closed. All the other schools were upset because they loved playing at our gym because they all had uh, either a really bad gym or they had to rent a gym. Okay. Um, and so we, we always would host everything, but anyway, we had this huge gym and the only thing that we were doing with it at the time was renting it out to, um, like AAU teams, like traveling teams, okay. um, they would rent it out. And so, you know, the, those were contracts that we couldn't, you know, um, go back on. So we had to, we had to honor those. And so we were like, okay, how do we do this? We have to be portable in our own building. Um, mm-hmm. And thankfully, you know, Gary and Jenna had friends who had successfully done portable church. Yeah. Uh, in schools or whatever. And we had local churches that we were friends with that did it every single week in a school. And so we got good ideas. We had carpenters and, 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 and guys in construction in our church and they built a stage instead of buying portable staging, we built a stage that could fold up on itself. And you've seen it. It's oh, uh, yeah. have you seen it? You haven't, no, 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 you haven't seen it. Have I not? I don't think you've seen it. No, yeah, the when last you were time here, we were there, still in the church. Still in the, yeah, the main church. Trent was, Trent was born. Yeah. We were still in there. Um, the stage is 40 feet wide and 13 feet deep and the 40 feet wide is divided into five, eight foot sections and they each fold back on themselves. Okay. So every single week on Saturday at noon, because we, that was the last thing that happened was uh, Saturday morning practice, uh, for basketball. We would, so we had to shift everything Thursday, Thursday night rehearsals went to Saturday afternoon right. because we had to set up everything on Saturday from noon to two o'clock and we had what we called dream teams and we had five of them that would rotate and the associate pastor at the time would organize those. And it was a matter of getting out the chairs. We had one church donate half of the chairs that we would need. And so that, that ended the pew debate because all the pews got ruined in the other building. So we oh, had to yeah. buy chairs. Yeah. We had to, we had to buy pipe and drape to mm-hmm. hide, you know, the side so that when you were in there, you were focused on church and not, the bleachers or whatever. Right. You know, we had to figure out a backdrop. So it actually looked nice. We had to figure out lighting. We had to figure out the sound system. We had to, and all of it had to be portable, had to go away and be stored in the rooms mm-hmm. on the side of the gym. And it was a very interesting couple of years. I think it was two years. Well, even the acoustics um, moving from a building oh that my was goodness. built for acoustics to a gymnasium that is just so wide open. Yeah. And, and that's what we were scared of because we went long ways. Right. Um, and, and we would put down the blue curtain, which helped a little bit because it was halfway back. Mm-hmm. And we would put, you know, our tech desk in front of it. And we had some scaffolding that we would wrap black sheets around. Uh, and we would put the projectors on top of that because we, we were done with hymn books at that point. We were projecting our lyrics on the wall. 
Right. And so we had somebody paint projector paint up on the wall and we put our two projector screens up there up high and, um, you know, because we couldn't mount a projector because there was basketball and volleyball happening in there. Yeah. And, uh, we had to be flexible and we learned a lot, uh, over that time. And, um, you know, we bought more speakers. We, we figured out a way to build our own sound, uh, reduction panels Mm -hmm. and we mounted those on the walls all over the place. And, um, that, you know, helped aesthetically because they're black. Um, right. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was interesting. You know, we, um, we, we bought more chairs, we bought thicker pipe and drape and, um, our, our stage changed so many different times and, and we used to use a lot of props and stuff and backdrops for the different series that, that Gary would be speaking on. And, um, and then eventually it just became too much. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we were so tired, just so tired. And, um, I actually lost, um, I lost people on my teams because, you know, Saturday was their only day to go see their families, right? you know, um, grandkids or whatever. And they were just done. And I'm like, I understand. I do. I feel, you know, thank you for being on the journey this long with us, but it was, it was rough. And, um, we would set up from noon to two, we would rehearse from two to four and then come back the next morning and do the services. And at that time we were doing nine fifteen and ten thirty, were our two services. Right. And, um, um, and they would all, both almost fill up, you know, and we had, I think a hundred and, um, 75, 200 chairs out, maybe more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then Pastor Gary was just like, you know what, we're going to stop, you know, renting the space out. wasn't worth the hassle. Yeah. We weren't bringing in that much money. So we stopped doing it. And then we really just buckled down and made the room into our church building, you know, our auditorium. Yeah. And, um, and that has had its, you know, iterations. Um, we were able to build more soundproofing. We were able to put a wooden backdrop uh, behind the stage and really put nice lighting up there. We were able to uh, buy and mount a really expensive screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to put huge TVs on trusses on the stage so I could have other, um, other, other things up there, you know. Um, right. I was able to put... Um, uh, we, we, were, we were able to put more speakers up. We were able to put up more soundproofing. We were able to, to really buckle down and, and make the kids area really, really nice. And we we're able to, to make the, the area on the, on the other side of the curtains, uh, a nice lobby area. We call it our connect area. Yeah. And, um, and upstairs are our offices where, where I used to teach high school. Our offices are up there right now. And we're willing the plan is to move our offices over to what we call building one, the original building. So mm-hmm. this winter we're working on that building, stripping it out down to the studs, working on everything that needs working on and upgrading it so that our offices can be there. Right. And then we can create more space for our tweens, teens and young adults upstairs okay. in the gym building, because right now they're all kind of relegated to one room mm-hmm. and it's a big room and it's a really nice room. And we've done a lot of work on it to make it work for them, but we want more spaces for them. Um, and then the downstairs would, would still be the kids area. We have kids programs on, um, Sunday mornings. And so in the midst of all this, you know, COVID. Yeah. Right. And, um, we were done setting up and tearing down. So the dream teams were done, but a lot of the people on those dream teams then, you know, wanted to serve elsewhere. So it was kind of cool because all of our teams got a boost in people from that. Um, and we have lots of people, lots of volunteers who serve, you know, we have parking, we have connect, we have security, uh, connect being like greeters, 
in right. theaters. Yeah. Um, you know, I have worship and tech. Um, we've got kids, we've got tweens, we've got teens. Um, there's just so many things going on. Um, and in the midst of that COVID hit. And so, you know, state of Massachusetts said, you're not meeting. We're like, okay, we're not meeting. And we decided we were going to obey what the state said. Right. Um, and just, and just make it work. So crazy enough, um, leading up to, I think it was what, March mm-hmm. uh, yeah. 15th, March 15th, leading up to that, we, I was really not happy with our online experience because we were live streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not have the technology or the people or the means to do it well. Um, you know, f- full, full band on stage sometimes, regardless, I'm using tracks. Mm-hmm. And without a second sound person to make that sound good online, it's just not going to sound good online. Yeah. The second thing was our, our internet connection was spotty at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only had one choice. Uh, that was Comcast. Ooh. And um, we didn't have a way to make it better at the time. And so we decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop live streaming for the time being. And we're going to record everything ahead of time during the week. Yeah. Post, post produce it, post edit it and put it up as a simulated live, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like what, like what you call like a premiere. Right. That way it's a better, it's a better thing we can do for the people who are watching online. Cause we had a good number of people watching online and then online had become our front door. Cause in new England, people don't just, Hey, let's go to church. They don't do that. Yeah. In new England, it's a very, very different culture mm-hmm. from other parts of the country. Uh, it's, it's very de-churched. And then a lot of those de-churched people, have not raised their kids in church. And so they are completely unchurched people in the area where, you know, religion started up here. And so, um, it was crazy to see how people would watch online for three to six months yeah, and then decide that they wanted to come to church. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, we had one couple, they're like, yeah, we've been watching for six months online. Yeah. And this is before I stopped live streaming. So I knew it didn't sound or look good. Yeah. And yet they still, they still decided to come. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. So, um, we had bought things and prepared to record ahead of time. And then COVID hit and we're like, okay, let's focus on recording now. Right. And we did. And we changed the way our online looked and we changed where we were doing it. We moved to Subsplash and, um, and, and it, it's been a constantly evolving process. You know, we were able to come back into our building. And so we put a temporary stage off to the side in front of the bleachers because I would just lead a couple songs. Um, and then Gary would speak and it was short because when we were online, he would only speak for 20 minutes because right. we wanted people to, to stay online the whole time. Yeah. And then he would slowly move back. And um, because we were in a gym, we were able to separate our chairs out mm-hmm. six feet yeah. and still have 150 chairs in the room. Cause you kind of, and we like only had one service. Almost, right? like yeah. Pods, yeah. Right. We only had, we only had one service and we, we had them get tickets online. So we knew how many to expect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think it was 1030 with the service. So we had a time where, excuse me, it was really pared back and, and we were able to take a time of rest, you know, mm-hmm. which was nice. Yeah. Um, we, we worked from home a lot. We did a lot of video calls and like everybody did. Uh, but we were able to grow certain areas, you know, of our, of our ministry. And we were able to cut back some of the programs that needed to be cut back, but would have mm-hmm. been difficult to do. 
right. had it not been for COVID. Yeah. And um, we were able to work on our groups and, and establish what we call now United Groups, which are where families get together at least twice a month and just share a meal and have fun and maybe talk about um, the previous sermon. We do deep dive questions that you can look over after the message mm-hmm. and we'll do that. And then we develop something called micro groups where three to five people of one gender, male or female, will get together pretty often either online or in person and pray together and share their burdens with one another and study the Bible together yeah, and really be accountable to one another. So we were able to do things like that during that time. And, and the church just grew really tight. Um, some people left, some people moved away. Some people haven't come back, yeah. but we've seen a lot of people come back. And um, last Easter or this last Easter, we, um, introduced the nine, the nine o'clock service, which used to be the nine fifteen. Now we call it the nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we introduced that. And then we turned the Thursday night recording, um, into a Thursday night recorded service. Okay. Um, and so Thursday night now what we do is from six to seven, well, five thirty to seven, um, the, the worship team rehearses. And then we have a recorded gathering from seven thirty to eight thirty. And we treat it like a normal gathering, but we record everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we record all the, all the audio channels separately. And then what I do from Thursday night through whenever I get it done, um, is I edit that audio and, um, and then edit the video and piece it all together. So we have a really good online experience for Sunday and yeah. we show it at nine o'clock at 1030 on Sunday. And then we also show it at 7 PM for people who work on Sunday mornings, okay. but they still want you know, the live, the live experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's, that's evolved over time too. We, um, I've, I've done it different ways. I've had different people host, you know, and, and give announcements and talk about our app and our connect card. And right. it's just been an evolving thing. Like even this week, I'm changing it up so that, so that one of the pastors is the primary person, um, talking to people online and then you have your, your online host, which I have a team of people who are willing to do that and who are good in front of a camera, talk about things that are happening in the life of our church. Right. Um, it's a constantly evolving thing, and I might go back to live stream. I'm not sure. But we have seen um, the church grow closer together. Um, we introduce new songs all the time. You know, we're, we, we have a modern feel to what we do, but mm-hmm. then I'll still do classic songs. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have an organ or a piano on stage. I have my guitar. And so I do it with my guitar, mm-hmm. but I think because of the way we do it and because of the attitude that we have put toward it and because of all the new people who have literally walked in the door right. or come with their family members, yeah. gotten saved, gotten baptized and then joined the church and then brought their family who got saved, baptized and joined the church it's, it's like, it's like a mission field. You know, those people are coming in and they're brand new Christians and they oh, love yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. And they'll hear this new song. Have you heard this new song? Yeah. It's called be the, my vision. <laughs> and I go, Oh, that is a good song. It's not new, but that is a good song. It's been around for a hundred years. It's, yeah. it's so funny because they're just, they're just discovering Christian music. And that paired with the people who have stayed who are, you know, the old saints, I guess you call it, the people who have just been in the church world for so long yeah. and have adapted. Yeah. That's that a cool combination, part. yeah, is just so good. And we have tried to do our best to make sure that we, as often as possible, throw in, um, I don't want to say throw in, include songs 
that are um, that are classic in nature. Yeah. Or I'll try to find modern songs that include those. Yeah. Um, Where there's like the you know it's the same it, song with the verse, but it, the yeah. tune's different, and there's a new chorus or something. Yeah. Yeah, and then the way that I do my third song now, the song that I have the message, it's so it's so paired back and acoustic that I can do whatever song I want. Right. Um, and so I think I think in being, you know, we have these three words that we use a lot: authentic, transparent, and transformational. Um, we we try to to be authentic in what we do and be real human beings. You know, we we have flaws. Uh, we're not perfect. We don't have it figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and that's the transparency as well. Um, in the way that we run things and um, letting people know this is how we do it and we're not going to apologize for it. Yeah. Um, being transparent about what our mission and our vision are. Um, and then, and then showing people that, that through all of that, that's where true life transformation can happen mm-hmm. by, by drawing closer to Jesus along the journey and then, you know, making other disciples. And so um that that's trickled into everything. Our missions are giving it's, it's, it's happened everywhere. Yeah. And, um, people are giving more than ever before. Uh, people are becoming what we call extravagant givers, uh, where they give above and beyond their tithe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and COVID presented a unique challenge to create more, um, first time givers because right. now you can't pass a plate, can't pass a bucket anymore. Yeah. And so when we came back, we already had digital giving well established. So we moved everybody over to that and they pretty much picked it up. But then we also have postage prepaid envelopes that people can request and we'll send to them okay. and they can still mail their check in, you know, right. free to them. Yeah. Um, but now instead of passing a plate or a bucket, which to us really just killed the service dead center or at the end, yeah. Uh, you know, we wanted people thinking about the message. We didn't want them thinking about passing the plate, you know, and so now we have secure giving boxes where they just drop their gift in it. Right. And we have those all over the place. And, um, you know, you look at, you look at the first church, they were dropping off their livestock in the front, you know, mm-hmm. there was, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't, there wasn't something to be passed around. So, yeah. um, it's, it's all just aesthetics, you know, to, to how you can accomplish the mission that God has given your church in your context right. and in your culture. Yeah. And, um, That's are a big there thing right because... and wrong ways to do it? Yeah. Yeah. There are right and wrong ways to do it, but only when it comes to scripture. Right. That's it. Because there's things that. So other than that. There's things that City United that will not work at Eagle Drive and vice versa. Exactly. Exactly. You have to, you have to marry the mission and date the model. Yeah. Um, And I don't mean the supermodel. I mean, you date (laughs) the way you're doing it. Right. Without changing what the mission is Mm -hmm. and without obviously going against scripture. But as long as you're doing that, yeah, you know, and you're honoring God in what you're doing, um, I mean, we, we've seen it. We've seen the fruit. People mm-hmm. coming um, from nowhere, out of nowhere. Just, yeah. I saw the sign, thought mm-hmm. I'd stop by. Yeah. A couple months later, they get saved. You know, they're serving in the church. They're joined. They got baptized. They brought their family. It's, it's, it's clear that God's doing something. And it's, and it's people, exciting to be a part of it. People are looking. Like, cause yeah. you know, I get monthly emails of people that have searched mm-hmm. our church name and, you know, then it says, you know, how many mm-hmm. called, but there's yep. many people 
are searching for churches and there's one family that yeah. I know that's been visiting lately and they said they've been looking they've been in the area for three years and they've been looking for church mm-hmm. and they go to people's websites mm-hmm. and there's not even a vision, a yeah. mission, a mission statement yeah. that they can't mm-hmm. even find yeah. what is this church wanting to do? Like, yes, you want to get people saved, but there's something beyond mm-hmm. that. So they saw ours and they say, you know, you have everything plainly on there to what your mission is yeah. and your vision and um exactly. it's, it's a big deal. We um well, in this day and age, your website has to be your front door. And if you can't find your front door, nobody's going to walk into it. Yeah. And so we invested in, in an SEO guy who helped us um, to to get our stats up high so that now, in the, I asked somebody the other day, they said, yeah, you know, I, I'd driven by your church before, but I couldn't remember the name. And I saw the sign and I just couldn't remember it. So I wanted to go to church with my mother this morning. So I looked up churches near me. And I said, do you mind me asking where we wound up in that um, search? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, you were at the top. Yeah. And I said, praise God. Yeah. Like that, that's what you want. Not yeah. that you're in competition with other churches. No. You know, but if they have to search to the bottom of the page or, you know, heaven forbid, go to the next Google page. Who does that? Nobody clicks to the next Google page. No. Nobody. Mm-mm. So, you know, if you, if you invest a little bit of money in that um, as a church, Get your own website, make yeah. it look nice so yep. that people actually stay. Because I think you have like what seven seconds mm-hmm. before people move on. Yeah, um, you know it's it's important and have that important stuff right up at the front. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, there needs to be things on your website for your church members right. and your regular attenders. Yes, yeah. of course, but that should not be the first things. You know, it should always be. Um, looking, looking toward those people who are going to be first time guests and making that experience as pleasant as possible. Um, you know, we, we always say the, the only thing offensive about what we're doing at our church should be the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yep. That should be the only offensive thing. Um, the gospel and the Bible, the things that the Bible says. So, um, yeah. Um, and it hasn't made everybody happy. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Ever. I, I, I always thought I always, I always think, I don't remember where I heard it. I didn't make it up, but I always would say, you know, if you have to offend, if you have to choose between offending a church person and an unchurched person um, with the way that your church is doing things, I would much rather offend the church person, right? The believer as opposed to the unbeliever because the believer will just go to another church and they're still going to heaven. The unbeliever is never going to walk into a church again and they're going to go to hell. Yeah. I Who would think you rather offend? I was at an Idea Day event in Las Vegas. I think it was Josh Tice that said it, um, or one of the leaders there in one of the sessions. But they said, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be willing to do anything but sin to see somebody saved. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that there's nothing outside of sinning that would be wrong for a person to do yep. or a church to do. Um, like you said earlier, it's not the, That's how Jesus, the method. That's how Jesus it's the, lived his life. Message. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus wasn't hanging out with the Pharisees and the religious crowd. He was hanging out with the sinners. Yeah, exactly. You know, he wasn't going into the simple places. Right. He was going to their house. Yeah. You know, he was going where it wasn't popular mm-hmm. to the religious crowd. Yeah. And that's how, that's how we have to live our life. You know, stay away from sin, obviously, mm-hmm. but you've got to be willing to, to do the difficult things that might make other church people not be happy with you. Yeah. And you have to just get past that. And it, it, it is a process. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually you start to see the fruit, um, from, from that way of living 
right. and from that way of witnessing. Yeah. Um, and it's worth it. It's just worth it. Um, in closing, um, you know, we talked about worship culture, but I know you have maybe mm-hmm. just a couple of minutes have a vision for mm-hmm. what you have worship culture network or network. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of tell us, tell people where you can find that and then kind of what is your vision that you want to do in the future yeah. with all that? So worship leaders tend to become silos. Um, not because they're in competition with what the church down the road is doing, but because of how busy they are mm-hmm. and how much they have to do. And, and it's just, it's crazy. And pastors can be the same way. And I saw my pastor was in all these networks and he had all these friendships and mentorships and he had all these relationships. And, and we were just down at Thomas road for this refuel conference and people would say, Hey, what's your name, Matt? Oh, I see you're from Worcester. Okay. Um, where are you from? And I would tell them, they're like, ah, and I said, I'm with Gary Moritz. Oh, Gary. Yeah. Everybody knew Gary mm-hmm. and he's developed these relationships and he has these people that he can count on in his life. And I thought, do I have people like that in my circle of worship leaders? Um, and this was a couple of years back and he encouraged me to just start writing about what God has done in my life as a worship leader and in our church. And I started a blog and I called it worship culture network because I wanted specifically in new England, I wanted new England worship leaders to be able to, um, to, to feed into each other's lives. And I wanted to be able to just call up somebody and say, Hey, you know, my, my piano player dropped out last second. Do you have somebody or, Hey, I have to go on vacation and, and, and I need you to step in for me, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted there to be a network of people there. And there are other organizations up here that are doing a good job of that. But, um, but I wanted to contribute to it. So I started Worship Culture Network. And right now it's just a blog um, that I do not write enough on. Um, yeah. <laughs> looking at it right now. And I, <laughs> I think my last post was in June. And, uh, but I, I, have, I have a few on here. Yeah. And um, tech, leadership, worship, playing guitar, um, the technical side of being a worship leader, things like that. And, uh, and, I, and I hope my vision it, with it is to not be the only one writing on there mm-hmm. to have other people writing on there. Um, I kind of tentatively started a podcast where I was just basically going through some of the, the posts. Right. Um, I would like that to, to take off, um, you know, and, and I just want it to be a place that, you know, someday <laughs> when I retire from being a worship leader in a church, it's something that is established and that I can use to speak into younger worship leaders lives. in the way that I have been spoken into Um, because God has given us a a unique experience that I think is going to become very commonplace very soon where Mm -hmm. people are going to have to start thinking outside the box to continue. I'm using air quotes doing church. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if I can contribute to that a little bit and help people through and say, you're not alone, (laughs) um, you know, this isn't a new thing. Trust me. Um, you'll get through it, that sort of thing. Um, then I think it'll be all worth it. Cause I don't want to do all this stuff that I'm doing and then just have it die with me. I want, I want to be able to pass it on. Good. So that's at worshipculture.network. Okay. Not worshipculturenetwork.com. It's worshipculture.network. And you can also find those on social media. Again, I'm not a social media person. If I could, <laughs> I would delete all my social media accounts. I have enough to worry about with my life. I know everybody's busy, but I just don't enjoy going and looking. Yeah. Um, if I go on social media, it's to look up a very specific person and find something out. But, uh, I do recognize the value of it. So yeah, uh, I do have them on there. And, and I'm on um, it all again, day. Hoping, so I 
try not yeah, to be on it, but it's difficult. People ask me, hey, did you see what I posted? Nope. Sorry. Yeah, because the company I, I work with, I think link. we have <laughs> 30 different company social media accounts oh now. So it's, you know, it's, I'm not doing much of that, but, you know, still on my right. phone yeah. and getting notifications and doing podcasts and things yeah. like that. So it's crazy. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, my first guest. You're welcome. Of my podcast. So thank you all for uh, listening. And again, Matt said his last post was in April. I think my last podcast episode was in June. June. May. No, mine was in June. June 2nd. Maybe mine was in June. I don't know. Now, granted, the one before that was the previous August. Oh, wow. Now, I do have, hopefully next month, I'm working on interviewing... Uh, a guy that wears a big red suit. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So um, I'm not going to guarantee it because there's still some things in, in motion, but I'm hoping to uh, mm-hmm. be able to have that interview. Um, it'll be a video. I'm sure, logis- I'm sure logistics with that is, is complicated. So Yeah, he gave me his card. So that was a start. Um, but it will not be it's just Christmas audio. <laughs> he does. He has a card. Um <laughs> It'll be video if it does happen, so I'm pretty excited about it. So if you are listening, I am going to be looking for some questions to ask. So if you have a child um, and you know who the big, the guy in the big red suit is, um, mm. ask them if there was one question they could ask, what is it? And I want to go through mm-hmm. some of those questions. You know, it could be anything, honestly. So I'm looking forward to that if that does happen. So Your niece and nephew may have a couple questions. We'll shoot your way. Good. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode.